hey friends and foes, welcome back to Art Book Club and to the Brushwick Podcast. My name is Stephanie Scott, and today we're talking about Twyla Tharp's The Creative Habit. All it takes to make a creativity a part of your life is the willingness to make it a habit. That's the first line on the back cover of this book, and I think it really encapsulates what this book is about. It talks about routine, it talks about how to get out of a rut, it talks about your genetic history and how that changes you as a creative person. There's many little short stories about her time as a dancer and her work as a choreographer. I think you're gonna like this book. And here's a discussion with me and Visual Nomad chatting about it live on Twitch. Get started. How was your week? What'd you do this week? Anything good happen? I painted a lot, like usual. Nice. So I did get three of my nine paintings done. So nice. there's victory there. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I have a uh, large commission on my wall and I'm like, I should get started on that because I know it's going to take a while, but it's such like a big canvas (laughs) and I'm like, oh boy, (laughs) I'm a little nervous. (laughs) Gotta love it. Gotta love it. It is intimidating with big pieces for sure. No kidding. And I feel like that's a great introduction to our book of today, Friends and Foes. Of course. Welcome to Art Book Club. We're here talking about a good book and it's 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 interesting oh my gosh it's a friend hello um today on book club i've got visual nomad my friend jim she is a oil painter here on twitch and also on instagram and other places you exist on the internet it's great and mm-hmm. we are chatting about the creative habit by uh twyla tharp is that how you say your name twyla i think it is yes um, yes yeah, and I'm glad y'all are here chatting with us. Booty Tootin, welcome in, that thing you love. What's up, Buttercup? Good to see ya. <laughs> we read a book this month that is all about creative habits and kind of, it's a it's a self-help book for artists. And mm-hmm. to start us out, for the very first chapter of this book, it talks about the empty space, the blank white wall room, you know? And um, mm-hmm. I was just saying to, to Jen that, I have a giant commission up on my wall. It's like 30 inches by 60 inches. And I read the first chapter of this book and I was like kind of intimidating with, intimidated with this painting. And I decided I'm just going to paint part of it blue, not because it needs to be blue, but because there needs to be something on it. (laughs) And and I think it's working, but you know, do you ever get intimidated by blank canvases? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, like right now, I'm in the middle of this collection that's planned out. Mm-hmm. But what I'm going to do next, I'm not real sure. And so there's always that that limbo space, I think, between pieces. Um, I try to combat that with, you know, having a like a, a work journal mm-hmm. where I can just jot down ideas as they come to me. So that I have like a reserve. So I'll go to that first and see what's in there and see if anything is like, oh, yeah, this seems like the right time to do that. I like that. Um, I think that's my best tool to combat that is just, yeah, write it down when it comes to you. Yeah. may not use it then, but it may become something later. Do you ever find that your good ideas have an expiration date? Hmm. Sometimes. Sometimes. Um have one piece that I was like super fired up to to get 
started with and jump into. Yeah. And it had a lifespan of about a day and a half. And then that feeling kind of waned. And I was like, yeah, I'm not there at the moment. Yeah. Will it come back? Probably. It's a pretty relevant um, topic. So I'm like, eh, maybe I'll get in that headspace again and I can jump into it. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. yeah. Um, that thing you love just said, that reminds me of the ADHD method of starting an essay with once upon a time and then writing random stuff just to get the ball rolling. And this, uh, mm-hmm. this book is all about that idea of like, you know, just starting anything, starting any sort of muscle memory of your creative thing and, uh, get, get the, uh, the creative juices flowing. I, I asked you the mm-hmm. idea about, or the question about having ideas, having an expiration date because, I feel like recently I've been having good ideas or I'll have like ideas for a commission that I can't do right now because I have other responsibilities and I've been feeling mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I've been missing the window of excitement <laughs> by like mm. several weeks just over and over again. And it's kind of frustrating because I was really excited about this commission about a month ago, but I had to prepare for the art show that I have at the tea house right now. Uh, and yeah. And now yeah. now I have time to work on this commission and I'm like, I can't wait to work on the thing I need to work on for January of next year. <laughs> and like that's where my energy is. And I'm like, right. oh no, what have I done? <laughs> How did I get this out of order? <laughs> um yeah, it's funny. And, and I mean, that's hard because at at that point you go, okay, so I have this this focus right now that's priority, you know, mm-hmm. the art show. And you go, but I have this piece that's like in me right now. Yeah. Do I, do I sacrifice quote unquote my health at this moment and take the time to get that piece started so that I can come back to it? Right. But, you know, take a few days and you're like, "Mm, is it worth it? And there's always that, I think that, that back and forth struggle of taking care of yourself and you know, getting into your work. Mm-hmm. It's, I think that's something that everybody struggles with. It's that work-life balance type thing. Totally. Um, and constantly a struggle. Gosh, I have to, I need now to figure out a way to get relit up about my current project, mm-hmm. right? Where I'm like, okay, now this is mm-hmm. the time I've um, allocated for this painting. I need to get re-excited about it. How do I get re-excited about it without being like, I just want to work on this other thing. Like, is that part procrastination? Maybe. Like, you know, I have a deadline coming up and I'm like, oh, what if I worked on literally anything else, including another painting instead of what's important? Like, is that part of it? I don't know. Well, I mean, because I look at it this way, like it could be, okay, so from my normal, let's say my normal studio hours Mm -hmm. are you know, one to six. Okay. So during that time I work on the stuff that is, you know, the show getting all that together Mm -hmm. and then, okay, maybe after dinner, I wander back into the studio and I take a couple hours at night and paint some more. That's more than I normally would do. Yeah. Um, it's a lot, but it's, it's not neglecting the focus because during work time, you're those things. And this is just as much a part of that as anything else is. This is, it's a constant thing. So I don't think it really matters when or where. I don't think it's procrastination if it's 
moving towards the same spot. All right. Well, let's let's look at this book. Here's um here's the book. Okay. The Creative Habit. Uh, question number one: Have you finished the book, or did you start it? Um, I have not finished the book. Okay. I've looked through the majority of it and read about half of it, roughly. All right. Oh. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Um, I finished the book. I finished it yesterday. Okay. And, um, you know, overall, I didn't really like this book, which is interesting. I think this is the <laughs> first book that I haven't liked. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, which I thought I was like, why not? I was chatting with my boyfriend and I was like, Luke, I don't like this book that much, which means it's going to be an excellent book club book. Because whenever I don't like something, I have like opinions. <laughs> but, <laughs> but when I like something, I'm like, yeah, it's good. You should read it. I'm like, that's it. Ugh, so good. So good. Um, so honestly, this is like a self-help book for creatives. And that's like the theme. And we've read a couple of these in the past. Um, but I felt like all the advice wasn't really advice. Like it was kind of advice, but it, but it wasn't really advice. It was more like stories about um, the author, Twyla Tharp, and, and less about actual ways to make your creative practice better. And maybe it's because I'm looking at it through the lens of a painter and she's a dancer. Um, and she does talk okay. to painters directly. But I felt like a lot of the times I was like, I don't know about this advice. I don't think this is very good. Like some of it's good, but I'm like, I don't, I don't know. So that's my overall opinion of this book. Okay, can I challenge that? Yeah, tell me. Because <laughs> I have tons of questions that are very good and very pertinent, mm -hmm. especially to people that are building any kind of practice, you know, whatever it may be, creative practice. Um, yeah, I think she addresses the elephant in the room from the very get-go, which is routine. Um People try to push that off. They try to make excuses. At least that's what I see them as. Yeah. Um, and then they go, well, this person is so successful. It, it, like it just ethereally materialized itself out of nowhere. And you go to that person that, that they've, you know, kind of poo pooed, so to speak. And you go, what, what, what is your daily, what is your daily life look like? And I guarantee you there is some form of like scaffolding in their life of routine and, and all of that, you know, mm -hmm. from the time they wake up, what do they do when they wake up? Um, what is their, like for painters, what is their studio practice look like? Is it set hours? Um, is it certain hours on certain days? Um, how does the rest of their life flow with the rest of that? Um, I think I struggled for the longest time until I got to that point where I figured out these are my studio hours. Yeah. That was bedrock. Until you get that nailed down, you're going to feel like you're all over the place. And until, honestly, until you get the people around you, support system, on that schedule for you and they understand, Hey, I can't get a hold of this person or whatever during these hours. Mm -hmm. Like I wouldn't be able to, if they had any other job, <laughs> True. um, that it's, it's massive. It's an, it, it can be a big struggle and it does take time to learn. 
like, you know, I've got things down here, like her mis- her fishing metaphor, you know, how, do, how do you, what is your practice of contemplative quietness look like? Is it focused? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just sitting there empty minded. It's, you have a goal. It may feel empty minded at the moment, but it's to an end. Mm-hmm. Um, noticing, I think this is a big one too. Noticing the DNA um, of who you are. What has your environment, your upbringing, the things around you kind of nurtured you towards in a good way? Like what are the, what some people might call the upper hands that you were given maybe out of the box, you know, it may be a parent that's very skilled that saw the skill in you early on and got you into things way earlier than most people get a chance. So you've got two, three, four years ahead of everybody else by the time they get started. It may be something like that. You know, Um, she gets into like actual DNA and some of those things that are handed down. I don't know how much of that I believe, Mm -hmm. Um, but I could see some validity in some of that. Um, I would agree. I feel like there there is really good parts about this book when it comes to routine, which is one of the main themes of this book. Um, I I don't, maybe this book just isn't for me, (laughs) but but, which is totally okay. Um, I, right. Just something about it. I was like, no, I know about routine, you know, (laughs) maybe it's because I've just been doing it for so long. Um, if you had no routine at all and you're reading this book and you're creative type, then it would be fabulous. It'd be a fabulous book for you. Sure. Sure. Yeah. 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 And I think I'm with you on that. Like, yes, I'm, I'm, um, I'm at a point in my practice where a lot of this is not, uh, applicable to me, but again, it, for people that are early on starting out, it's, it's a perfect book for them to get a hold of, to try mm-hmm. to find a foothold in what they're trying to do, you know? One of my favorite parts of the book is towards the beginning, and it does go into the, the practicalities of making a routine, like your routine. And mm-hmm. in there's on page 29, it has these little exercises that are in gray um, called, Where is your pencil? And I'm mm-hmm. going to give a brief, an abbreviation of what this is about. So basically the idea is um, this young man goes up to a baseball player and he's like, Hey, will you sign my baseball? And the young man is like, I don't have a pencil on me. And he goes to his parents and they don't have anything. And he goes to like a manager and they don't have anything. And finally the baseball players, is like, sorry, kid, I can't sign anything because you don't have a pencil. And the, the idea of your practice is constantly. <laughs> yeah. Wait, where is your pencil? Wondering But the idea that your, your, your <laughs> practice depends on, are you prepared I think is one of the coolest, one of my favorite aspects of this book. And and I'm wondering, Nomad, what is your pencil? What is your tool that you have to have with you either all the time or always in your studio that makes sure that you're always ready to create? Mm. So you're not caught empty handed, you know? I would say my easel. Mm-hmm. It's kind of indispensable, really. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think... That is it for me. Yeah, yeah. Mine is my sketchbook. 
It's where I write down yeah. my ideas. It's where I write down my to-do lists. It's everything like that. I bring it with me everywhere, basically. <laughs> and and mm. mm-hmm. I, I don't always take the ideas I put into the sketchbook um, into my studio, but I having that as a tool has been invaluable throughout my creative practice. Wonder Dane says it's your mind. I like that. You know, you can't go anywhere without your mind. Mm-hmm. Always prepared. <laughs> That's very good. Um, in this exercise um she asked a couple questions she's like do you have a aptitude for solitude where you know you're able to create by yourself and think by yourself in a space because that's a lot of what uh, being a creative a painter at least is about and not feeling lonely during those moments of chosen solitude and i think that's cool how do you fare when you're alone Mm -hmm. Um, I've always been a fairly solitary human being, even Mm -hmm. as a kid. Um, and I know, especially with like COVID. Yeah. I know a lot of people, I knew that I knew the struggle that they were going to run into. Mm -hmm. And so I like tried to remember, like tried to remind people that are introverted around me. Like, Hey, you got to help them out because this is going to be really hard for them. Right. It comes natural to us, but to them, it's like somebody sucked all the air out of the room. Yeah. You know? And so, um, again, it comes back to that fishing practice of I'm, I'm not alone. I'm actually here, like working through something. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm working towards an end. Um, and I think that's what makes it less lonely is that I'm, you know, I'm doing something. I'm enjoying what I'm doing. It's, part of who I am you know I love it it's it's so good (laughs) I being alone is like my favorite thing I feel like I travel best when by myself I like (laughs) like I live with with my partner but I'm like solitude is where it's at (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) um here's one more question before we move on to another topic here but part of having a good routine is being without some things um, namely distractions. What are some of your distractions that hook you away from your artwork? Do, do can you think of any that just immediately come to mind? My my name is Jen, and 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 I'm addicted to Apex Legends, <laughs> and um, yeah, <laughs> it's the truth. I feel it's like the- I entered an AA meeting. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, okay, that's hysterical. Mine is definitely my cell phone. I'm like, just get me off okay. of Instagram. Get me off of TikTok. Right. Help. <laughs> I cannot be stopped. YouTube is another one. YouTube's pretty oh bad, God. too. Um, some of the unusual examples that Tharp gives in this book is, they're, they're like little challenges. She's like, try and go one week without one of these things. So um, a week without mirrors. It's an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Can you can you go a week without right. looking at your reflection? It'll change the way you think about yourself. Uh, can you can you do a week without clocks and like a strict timetable? Right. Which I think would be extremely challenging since you have your time on your phone and on your computers and everything. That's that would be a, a super challenge. <laughs> um, can you go without? Uh, she says newspapers here, but I'm gonna say that as mm. reading the news at all. And uh, <laughs> she caveats this as do this only for a week. Otherwise, it breeds ignorance. And I'm like, I like that. That's good. And then mm-hmm. the fifth one was 
Can you go without speaking for a week? I don't think I've ever done that. Have you ever done something like that? Um, I'm a f- I, I'm fairly quiet into myself for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm sure I've gone at least a week without saying anything. Gosh, interesting though. Yeah. So complete side note. So the singer Lizzo. Yeah. I don't know if you know who she is. Oh yeah. She <laughs> went th- three years without talking. I think is what it was. Something crazy like that. What? Um. Yeah. Uh, she just was like, I had nothing to say. She's like, it wasn't like I was rude or upset or angry or anything. She's like, I just didn't have anything to say. Wow. She's like, and I came out of that and I haven't shut up since. (laughs) I just (laughs) laughed. (laughs) Because somebody asked her that on an interview and I was like, wow. Holy cow. To go that long without a conversation with family or anything. And she lived with her family at the time. So it wasn't like. She was out on her own. She was around people. This was when she was a teenager. Damn. So, yeah. I feel like if I did a week without speaking, I would also restrict that to talking to other people online. Um, speaking in all mm. its forms. Mm. Conversations. Ooh, that's tough. That's yeah. tough. Um, yeah. And I feel Our like... Social relationships. <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> like, no writing, no anything. I... Yeah. And then, like, Wonders Dane just said, um, the mere thing I could easily do. I feel like if you're going to do a challenge of one of these things, you don't pick the one that's easy. <laughs> you do the one that you're most addicted to. <laughs> it says speaking, not communicating. Right. I feel like not communicating would be the most interesting form of that. Just at all anyways anyways so those are fun challenges to try out i don't know if i'll do any of them but maybe if i'm stuck in a rut that'd be fun well and some people have to work in that vacuum like it's not uncommon for writers or painters or you know artists for that matter to get a cabin in the middle of nowhere where they can't they don't have cell service or anything (laughs) and yeah the romanticized (laughs) idea of you know no communication um, but some people need that so that they don't have all these outside influences, um, like muddying up what vision that they have, what they're trying to get to. Mm-hmm. I could see how some of that noise would be distracting and be like, oh, let's add this to this. Right. And let's add that to that. But it wasn't really ended in there in the first place. And it's like, I think there's a research phase of anything that you do. Mm-hmm. Or you gather all that, then you sit down and you you get to work. So by the time you're at the cabin, you've done that research phase. Yeah, like, trust the research that you've done and go from there. It's interesting. It's interesting. Have you um mm-hmm. gone in a uh, what am I going to call it? A retreat, I guess, like that before? Have you done that? Um, a self-professed hermit every day of my life is a retreat like that all right don't do that have you ever gone on to like an all-paid cruise with like a thousand people <laughs> no because cruises terrify me <laughs> it's karaoke cruise. No, i still get social interaction i promise i promise i do i feel like you that know, would I'm be harder really for me too human being. yeah 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 gosh um Earlier in our conversation, you were chatting about DNA, and she talks about how your creative DNA really affects how you make things and how you approach your problems, Mm -hmm. and I 
I think that's right. quite interesting. Um, hmm. Talks about how DNA, just like your your ancestral, your family, your friends that you like, how it all affects your. I don't know, approach to having a creative habit also. And I think that's interesting to think about. She has a question there and I'm not going to answer all these questions. I'm just going to read them out, but you Mm, you kind mm, of mm. answer these questions and it kind of reveals to you how your past, how your circumstance like really affects you. And then once you like observe that, you can, you can start to change things as you need to, but like, here's a couple of the questions. Uh, what is the first creative moment you remember? Was there anyone there to witness or appreciate it? Like, those are cool questions. Um, what's the best idea you've ever had? And what made it great? Um, describe your first successful creative act. And then describe your second successful creative act and compare them. Um, who is your muse? And define what muse means. What is your greatest fear? And what is the likelihood of your greatest idea and your greatest fear? Like, what is that relationship? Like, right? Um, and which of your answers that you answer out of this 33 question questionnaire, which you most like to change? <laughs> these are, they're quite, they're quite interesting. And I know at the beginning of this conversation, I was like, I don't really like this book. And I still don't really like this book. But I think her exercises <laughs> are my favorite parts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's, I think it's important to ask yourself those questions. I think they're great. You know, yeah, run into a lot of people that are just like, oh, I can't figure out like for painters, it's I can't figure out my style, you mm-hmm. know. And it's like, have you sat down with questions like this and answered them? So I, like I think that. it helps you find those and those things that you're attracted to, and in that, that's where all of you is going to come out of, Mm -hmm. you know, and whatever you do. Um, I mean, like she talks about music and all the things that her mother put her through as a kid Mm -hmm. and how that is played into like people see her as a a dance choreographer. There's so much more that she's pulled out of her, her past to bring into that, that you wouldn't necessarily think background in music and all of that just, yeah. Yep. I think it's important for every I think it's important for every human being to ask themselves that. Totally. The moment that you get discontented and you're like, why the heck am I doing what I'm doing? Back to those questions and go, where where should I be? You know? Mm-hmm. There's a whole chapter. Did you read the chapter about scratching? Mm, I did not, but I had a question about it though. Uh, what are your forms of scratching? Yeah, scratching is interesting. It's basically, it's it's part of the habitual routine that generates ideas. And it's, mm. it's like, you can't just like, she's a dancer. She's like, you can't just like make a dance. You have to like scratch out little ideas from different resources and reading and, and listening to music and being in different spaces and you know, you, you kind of like scratch away at an idea and then you kind of start to see what it is. They're like starts basically in painting, right? Where you, you start a painting and you're like, do I want to continue elaborating on this? And you can scratch by, <laughs> you know, um, 
traveling, you can do it by reading, you can do it, these are things she's listed out. Um, they're, they're interesting and you can, you can scratch mm -hmm. by getting, looking at other people's work, you can do it by meeting a hero, <laughs> you can do it by just exercising or getting really toasty. <laughs> like those are, those are her references and, um, they're, they're interesting. I wonder what your sort of scratching is. For me, some of my, my forms of scratching are like during the time that I eat my breakfast, mm -hmm. I watch YouTube videos. Sometimes that can be, you know, mundane, whatever. You know, I like watching car YouTubes, but watch things like um, Baumgartner Restoration. Love them. Gets in. <laughs> get into art conservancy as a as a painter what are the things that i can do to conserve the pieces that i create mm -hmm. you know and also you learn a ton of history and technique and uh, just get a better understanding all the way around of what we do as painters um I fall down multiple rabbit holes of like you know, it could be a documentary on Picasso mm -hmm. or, you know, I went on this whole binge of learning about abstract artists because don't really learn a whole lot in school about abstract art because it's more of a contemporary idea. Um, so I just I was like, OK, how many are there? Let's go learn about all of them. And so I would spend hours like watching documentaries. That's on, fun different abstract artists and just like getting a better idea of you know my sense and place in art um yeah i mean walks um you know museums that all that you know movies that kind of thing any anything around me there's always stuff that sparks my interest i mean I have photography in my background as well. So I'm a, definitely a visual person and mm -hmm. uh, I love people watching. Um, and so that's always interesting to like, see what you can glean from that as well. So people watching is such a good one. There's an, an exercise in this book <laughs> where she recommends that you, or maybe it was, she took this idea from someone else. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember what pages it's on or else I would look it up for y'all, but it's like, go to a public place and watch a pair of people and fill out these questions. It's like, what is their relationship? What are they fighting about? How is their body language? Who's walking faster than the other? How are they dressed? Are they like leaning into each other? Are they like, um, seem to be at aggressions? Like, and you ask these like 20 questions and then you do it again with another person and it kind of like trains your observation. Um, and that's a fun mm -hmm. way to scratch. My favorite is traveling. I whenever I travel, I feel like I get just like like yeah. buckets of ideas. I'm just like, oh, I can't wait to go back to the studio and <laughs> make something cool. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, yes, that's, yes, yes. That's my like top tier one. It's pretty. It's pretty fun. Look at these. Um, Love traveling. It's so good. There's one of my favorite parts of this book is this section about um, being generous. And she talks towards the beginning of the book, but she'll come back to it, where she's like, if you ever... She says, don't ignore a generous impulse. 
because it creates luck and brings it back to you. Basically, it's like when you're generous to, generous to someone, you are giving them luck. And that, in turn, cascades into luck for other people, right? And it eventually mm-hmm. comes back around. And I feel like to mm-hmm. be a great artist, you have to be generous with your, your time and with your with your energy towards other artists and other people who are, you know, your collectors and things like that. But I, I loved it. I loved it. Being generous contributes to good luck towards yourself. And that was, that was a fun little tidbit in this book. Do you, do you find that when you're generous towards other people, you get like a dopamine hit? Does that ever happen to you? Yes. Yeah. If I was like extremely wealthy Mm -hmm. and even remotely rich, (laughs) My favorite thing to do would be to just like find out what people need, mm-hmm. take care of it without them ever knowing it was me mm-hmm. and just let life happen. But like, yeah, just take care of people around me. I think that'd be amazing. It's it's fun. About five years ago, I started doing this like secret project that whenever I would visit a friend's like art studio or whatever, I would always offer to help them clean it if they needed help. Or just like without like them asking, I'd be Ooh. like, "Do you want to do you want to tidy for like an hour? Like, is that something right. without without making them feel like, oh, I'm a mess, <laughs> you know?" And that like right, 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 dopamine high would like last me a whole week of <laughs> just like helping someone else <laughs> clean. Or um, sometimes sure. I'll give away like art lessons or something um, just to like people I know. And every time I do that, I'm just like, "This is the greatest! I want to paint now." Yeah. It's a good feeling. <laughs> I feel like it helps kickstart you out of um, a creative rut if you're in one. If you give to mm-hmm. someone else it, your time or your money or whatever, you um, it, it helps you create more later. I, there's something about it. It's like a secret mm-hmm. thing. <laughs> I don't know if anyone like associ- associates giving with creativity, but I feel like I see it often. It's cool. Yeah, I, I think it's, again, it's it's kind of a cyclical thing, you mm-hmm. know, it gives back into itself, you know? Yeah. Like you said, you know, you help somebody else out, you see what they do, that can be inspiring to you, as you, you know, enabled them to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, that's what they did. Oh, well, I would like to do this. You know, it's totally, it's this, you know, locomotive effect, so to speak. okay okay so this is my least favorite part of the book and i can't wait to talk about okay so (laughs) in the book and towards the end she has a uh exercise that says play 20 questions and i love the idea of this um which is funny that it's my least favorite thing but it's like thoroughness like discipline is one of the most valuable skills you can have the patience to accumulate detail keeps you grounded and sharp um in, in Leonardo da Vinci's notebooks are evidence of an obsessive thoroughness. For example, he was fascinated by water. And then it lists out 20 questions that he like wrote down about water. Um, like why, it, hmm. where is the water slow at the bottom and why is it swift above? And where do, do water stretch itself out and where does it contrast? And why is it low in the middle and high at the sides? And why is like just questions after questions? And then you're like, okay, that's interesting. Stephanie, why is this your least favorite? It's because she, um, mm-hmm. she, this is so funny to me. She's like, let's say you decide to be, to paint a landscape. Here are 20 questions to consider about landscape painting. And she's um, not a painter. 
I mean, she's kind of a painter, but not really a painter. And I thought these, some of these questions are good, but some of these, I'm just like, you should not ask this question if you're a painter. And now I'm going to read them out to you. Um, this is a good question. Mm. From what direction is light coming? That's a great question. Number two, what is the elevation? I feel like that matters less. Number three, what trees are native to the area? What are, what is the nearest source of water? What animals are likely to be in view? What season is it? What's the weather? Are you looking down, across, or up? What crops are being cultivated, if any? Are there towns or villages nearby? Um, why are you there? <laughs> I feel like if I asked myself the question, why am I here when I was painting a landscape, I would stop painting. Like, it would just, it would just halt me in my, my tracks. Um, uh, I, I why like... Why am I here? Why am I here? <laughs> what is attractive about the setting? <laughs> is the wind What's blowing? What's today today? <laughs> How much sky can you see? What's behind you? What's behind me? I don't want to know what's behind me. Okay. <laughs> what what color, <laughs> color predominates you in your mind's eye? How many shades of that color can you see in the region? No, I, I feel like... I feel like a beginner would ask these questions. But, like, someone who's really good at landscape painting would be like, you need to stop asking questions about things. And you need to start just looking. <laughs> or do they innately ask themselves that question they don't have to think about asking them right? that question they automatically do that it's very it's very That's, funny uh, that goes back to muscle memory too you know she talks about mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. um anyways i would how not... much of that is just pure turning right <laughs> i would not ask myself these questions if i was painting a landscape but you know what i like the idea of 20 <laughs> questions it's cute it's good i i think it would get you going mm -hmm. if you were stuck and that's what's important. But also I'm just like, don't ask yourself where you're there when you're trying to paint. Cause that will just, that will just kill you. <laughs> you just KO, just like end. <laughs> Next time I go to my easel and be like, why am I here? And then I'll stop painting for a while. And it'll be like, hmm, how did I get here? <laughs> Tell me something else you liked about so, this book. <laughs> so, so on that topic, like, yeah photography one of the things that i have done a lot of and that you learn to do is to actually scout the place out that you want to take the photo in hmm. mm -hmm. you find out what the best time of day is you find out when it's you know if you need a lot of movement when is the busiest time you know um and you may not take anything that day maybe you're you know you're at a coffee shop and you're across from uh, columbus circle and you're mm -hmm. like, when is the best time to take a photo here? Like, where is the best light? You come back the next day and you know these things. And I mean, that gets into her idea of like the scaffolding of the process of when you do things. Um, you built the scaffolding around the piece, but that gives you room to free flow inside of that. Um, so, yeah, mm -hmm. like, I don't know. That's, that's kind of how I view it. But right. Um, I don't know. Uh, one thing that I wanted to ask you was, mm -hmm. how do you deal with, she talks about the spine of your work. Um, she talks about an instance where, uh, she had created this, this dance piece and she had put out there, you know, it's about this, you know, part of Greek mythology, whatever. And then people started asking her about this because they kept looking for it. For her, it was kind of a stepping stone more so than anything. It wasn't the end-all, be-all. 
it was the spine of her work, but she said in that instance, she probably should have kept that to herself. Um, how, how do you feel about that? You know, whenever it comes to anything that you've kind of put yourself into, um, especially maybe a personal piece that mm -hmm. you've come up with, not necessarily commission. How do you, how do you deal with that spine? Like how much of that do you reveal? It's, it's such a great question. And I feel like I relate to her when she was doing that piece, that choreography piece about the re-god, and then it just kind of evolved away from her. I feel like I don't tell people <laughs> a lot what my ideas mm. are at the very beginning. Um, if, if you've watched me on Twitch before, you know I start out with a grid and I pick a couple colors, and then by like halfway through, I'll be like, this is what this is about. <laughs> when it's mm -hmm. like well-defined and it's already on the... Uh, on the on the canvas and I I like to tell people my ideas sometimes I'll like for the Loki painting I just did I'll be like this is going to be about Loki and then people really expect it but mm. also I think it helps keep me focused um mm. but yeah sometimes I do have paintings where people will be like oh I thought this was about this and I'll be like it was and I think if you're just honest with people <laughs> it doesn't matter as much mm -hmm. but sh she's working in a different field where the, the stage of it is much more vast and more, she has more eyes on it actively during the process. Mm. Like it, it's, it's a different kind of involvement. Um, yeah. I, uh, I feel like when I am just honest about the ideas changing and I make sure I change the title of whatever the painting is to reflect what it's currently about, you know, at the end of the painting versus where the ideas were at the beginning. Um, that's also important. Does that answer your question? I could. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. I think I did the same thing. You know, I may start out with one idol, so to speak, for a mm -hmm. piece. By the end, it's sometimes it's adjusted. Sometimes it isn't, you know? Yeah. It's harder when I have a commission and someone's like, I want this painting to be about this thing. And on two occasions, have I finished a painting, looked at it. I haven't shown like work in progress to my, my client but I'll be like, this is not what they wanted. And I'll start over. Like, I'll, like I won't wipe it mm. out, but I'll just get a fresh piece of canvas and I'll try again. And um, sometimes I'll offer one of the other paintings to them to see if they want one. But usually I'm like, the second version is much more accurate to the idea that they had and paid me for. Um, that Yeah, that happens a couple of times. I'm getting better at it, though, about staying focused to the <laughs> idea. Mm. Sometimes your well, brushes and, and how much of the, how much of that is part of the scratching process too. There we go. <laughs> um, I wow, yeah. I I feel like the scratching process is a lot earlier in the idea, like it's within the first you know hour of making something, um, and then it quickly yeah. gets away from you. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe not. I often. We'll do trios, like you're doing something similar right now. I'll do like three paintings that are all have the same drawing um, and they'll come out very differently from each other. And I think that's part of the scratching that happens. Okay. It's like experiments, right? Where you're like, I'm going to paint the Walkman right, nine right, times. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's fun. Yeah. Uh, on a yeah. scale of uh, one to five stars, how many stars are you giving this book? With what I've read, uh, 
the one to five, I give it a three. Nice. I gave it two. I think it has some good some good bits, some good nuggets, but overall I didn't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um who would who would you recommend this book for? People that are just starting to get into whatever they're practicing. I think it's I mean, I would think it would be good for teenagers that are learning skills, you know, to start off, you know, with a good base. Mm-hmm. anything that they're trying to get into. I think it's good for them. Um, but yeah, you know, people coming out of college that are, you know, trying to start up a business or whatever. Yeah. What they're doing. I think it's important. If you're a dancer, you're going to love this book. If you are at mm-hmm. all into the choreography world, she has a lot of personal stories about this, this author who is just, I mean, sorry about herself. That's they're very personal. They're very deep and they're interesting. Um, especially if you're familiar mm. with her dance work, which is vast. She's done a lot of work. Um, yeah, she has a couple other books that are interesting. Uh, one is called, like I, she briefly mentions it in this book, it's called uh, Where Is Your Pencil? And then um, in another mm. book, it's called Do a Verb and uh, Build a Bridge in the Next Day. <laughs> I think her titles are just really great. So if, you're, if you liked kind of what we talked mm-hmm. about here, you should check out her other books. Heck yeah. The next book that we're going to read, which is we're going to chat about in January, we're going to take a two month break off from Art Book Club. Um, And I've chosen a big book because of this. (laughs) I'm like, we have extra time. So we're going to read something quite good. Um, This book I found in 2013. And it's called Alla Prima 2. And if you happen to get Alla Prima, we can talk about the comparisons between the two books, but I'm reading this one. (laughs) So get whatever works for you um it's she's a she's a big one and um i'm gonna read the back which has richard smith the author on it and look look at him he's just happy as a clam just a good time painting (laughs) oh richard we miss you oh richard we miss you he says welcome to this grand adventure through the world of painting Read about confidence, (laughs) talent, skill, perception, and control. Learn how to get past all the annoying little things that get in the way of creative thinking. Find out what values and edges are all about. Checks out some way of starting. The key ideas about color and color harmony. Learn about drawing expertly, simplifying composition, and the most common problems in painting. And what to do when a painting crashes. I I think it's going to be good. Many people have recommended this book to me, and I'm... uh, I'm excited to start it. I've had it dusty on my shelf for a couple of years now, so it's a good it's a good choice to read. I can I can attest it will it will wreck you as a painter. Can't wait. So buckle up. It, it will it will wreck you. It's it's good. It's a good one. Heck I've yeah. read Alla Prima and Alla Prima too. Yeah. Wow. Well, then you can give a little refresher, and it'll be good. Are there exercises in this book, like things you could test out? I believe so. Yeah. Maybe we should do one. Could be fun. I mean, Could be fun. you can if you want. A lot of it is outside. I don't paint a la prima, so <laughs> I mean, he would be disappointed in me to begin with. He'd be like, "Why not?" I'd be like, "Listen, Richard, listen, <laughs> I'm avant-garde. <laughs> okay, leave me alone. <laughs> a different it's gonna be great. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. I'm excited for this book. It should be good. Um, maybe I'm thinking next year. So next year, our book club will start up again. And I'm thinking it might be fun to do like a like a video documentary as one of our quote unquote book club picks. Um, 
That'd be fun. <laughs> I am going to come up with a list of fun books for us to read. If you're listening and you're like, I have a book I want you to read, you should send it to us because I'll try and buy it and, and read it and give you my yeah. very honest opinions on it. Heck yeah, heck yeah. All right. Well, any final thoughts? Uh, I don't think so. Cool. Excellent. Well, that's been a successful art book club. We've done the thing. Thank you so much to Visual Nomad for hanging out and chatting with me about Twalia Tharp's The Creative Habit. I had a blast chatting with you about it, and I, I love our art book club. Art book club is taking a bit of a hiatus. We'll be back in January on the 8th on Twitch talking about Alaprima 2 by Richard Schmid. And um, this is, will be my first read-through of this book. It'll be Nomad's second read-through. I'm excited about it. We'll see what happens. Maybe I'll make some weird paintings. But until then... We'll have some more Brushwick podcast coming up in the next next week. See you then. 